This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The question was, what will happen when we get a LeBron game? And last night for the first half, I thought we were getting one. And the Lakers still couldn't keep it close. So it's easy to say that a LeBron game can't win in this series. But not everybody thinks it was truly that moment for the King. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. And your smart speakers, just tell them, hey, play ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance, HD in Louisville, getting ready for the Kentucky Derby. You know that Fitz going to be good. You know he is going to look uh, like a million bucks there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know that we're going to get uh, everything we could ask for over the course of this weekend, HD, in this series between Golden State and the Lakers. We're sort of at that so what, now what moment in this series where we're tied at one each. We know Golden State's going to have to take a game on the road for a team that, including the playoffs, has a total of 12 road wins. That's not the easiest thing to do. Uh, but after last night, it's easy to feel confident, especially knowing that LeBron put up 21 in the first half. It felt like LeBron was having one of those games. And uh, by having one of those those games, they were still getting their butts kicked. So I thought, man, this they're surviving a LeBron half anyway. But Andre Snellings, who just spent the last hour with us, said this about that LeBron game. What he did to the Pistons in a LeBron game. You know, I, I used to roll with the Celtics with Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, and I saw what he did in game six of, of 2012. That was a LeBron game. What yesterday's game was was LeBron doing a couple heat checks early, realizing he had his three-pointer working for the first time in the playoffs. (laughs) I think he was shooting like 15% or something from three. And he was like, hey, I got this working. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do that. Look at my hand, shoot the three-pointer, and it was working. So he rolled with that for a minute, and the Lakers got off to a good start. But if you look at the rest of the team and LeBron in general, he wasn't going to the rim. He wasn't drawing free throws. He wasn't being LeBron. That's a that's a great point by Dre. I had to look up that Piston game that he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Forty eight points, nine rebounds, seven assists. Woo! My goodness, Dre may has a point though. I think he definitely has a point because what we didn't see from LeBron in that matchup last night was him being aggressive and going to the basket and being that physical freight train forced force that we normally see from LeBron James. So. 21 points at at halftime, ended up with 23. I thought he did find his jump shot because that's one of the things a lot of people were talking about across every network is that LeBron James isn't shooting well from the outside, particularly from the three-point line. I think his first shot was a three-pointer last night, and it got him in a little groove. But, you know, you didn't have Anthony Davis playing up well. But I still will say this. I don't think a LeBron game in this series – would give the Lakers a win if his supporting cast isn't there to help either. I think you're right. And, you know, y'all have made me rethink some of this LeBron game because you're right. It's not just about the numbers. It's not just about the scoring. It's about the way the scoring happens, right? It's about the way he imposed himself. I mean, everybody saw the bank shot last night as time was expiring on the shot clock. LeBron gets the ball with, you know, less than a second, just flicks it off his wrist from deep three range. It goes off the backboard, banks it in for the three. That's the sort of moment that you know, okay, like, hey, tonight's just the night where the shot's falling. That's very different than I'm going to to drive the lane. I'm going to force contact. I'm going to force you to exert energy defending me in that process. 
I'm going to take over this game to a point that everybody defensively has to account for what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and how I'm doing it. That is a very real point, and you're right. I think you and Dre are both right. Like Maybe we didn't see that last night, but I also do think it's a fair point that the way the Warriors are built, I don't think a LeBron game necessarily beats you. The Warriors will get beat if they're not making their shots or if you can disrupt them defensively. What we saw in game one that was really incredible was what I'll keep calling the shadow of AD. How many times did you see guys drive in the lane and then just sort of pull up because they were afraid of getting that shot sent back to them? In game two, instead, they were driving the lane with a better plan of how to kick it out, right? That was the biggest defense uh, difference. The Lakers going to have to make defensive adjustments more than just asking LeBron to be more of a takeover. I think the Lakers are going to have to figure that out. But check this out. Let's just say we get one of those LeBron games, one of those moments that's historic that we've seen him do on numerous of occasions. Is he going to have the energy on the defensive end to defend? Because we know what the Golden State Warriors offense is capable of. Exerting that much energy from an offensive standpoint, is it going to allow him to be able to keep up that same mindset and energy on the defensive end? You're a thousand percent right. And to that end, it's Fitz and Harry, by the way, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. To that end, it feels like Anthony Davis is going to have to come up huge on the defensive end, right? Like, even if we get a LeBron game offensively, it's going to take an AD signature moment defensively to make it happen. I I think we're all. But you know what? I, I I would say the entire Lakers team, though. The entire Lakers team. But Anthony Davis has to anchor it, but Vanderbilt has to be phenomenal. D'Angelo Russell has to be phenomenal. Schroeder has to be phenomenal. Hachimura, Austin Reeves. And I think part of the reason why we see Austin Reeves up and down in this series is because of the fact he has to exert so much energy on the defensive end that it's compromising his offensive game a little bit. And you know how we you, – totally the indication. You know this better than anybody from your days playing around it, right? When shots are coming up short, what's it tell you? Legs. Your legs right? are dead. We all know that. And the number of times Austin Reeves had open looks and he wide was open looks hitting the side in the front. Like if he was shooting from the side, he was hitting the side of the rim. If he was shooting from the front, he was hitting from the front of the rim. It was like everything was coming up a little bit short for Austin Reeves, and it felt like his legs just weren't there for him. And you know that's that when you are Austin Reeves, you've got to be able to hit those shots. That's the one of the big differences in this series where it stood after last night is that you had the guys get the looks, they just didn't make them. Well, I think Hachimura did a great job of, of making his looks, and he's actually had a solid, you know, playoffs. 2023 playoffs, right? Being that guy coming off the bench and being able to be instant scoring for the Los Angeles Lakers, but you can't have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from D'Angelo Russell, right? In, in game one, your starting point guard and your backup point guard had a combination of 38 points. Well, yesterday in game two, those two guys combined for 14 points. That, that's not going to cut it. Those two guys, or at least one of them, has to be able to be consistent in their scoring to help uh, Anthony Davis. Or when uh, a lack of Anthony Davis when he's not scoring 30 and being that dominant force. Or help a LeBron James. So you, you're going to have to get that consistent point guard play. And if your starter's not not doing it, your backup at least has to pick up some of that slack. And that, that didn't happen in game two. But as we talk about the legs, can we at least talk about the pace of play for a second too? Because you and I said the pace of play was going to be a huge portion of this. Mm-hmm. Again, I'll lean back to Second Spectrum Sports and our stats and info group. They put out some numbers on it. Uh, the, the number of possessions in last night's game, it went from 299 in game one to 322 in game two. 
The, the, the number of possessions was way up. The time, the average length of possession, the average touch length, as they call it in second spectrum, was substantially shorter. So what you saw was that the Warriors came in with a game plan of saying, hey, we're going to run you out of the damn building. Like the numbers show that the game ran faster. What stunned me is that when the Lakers got the ball early on, they didn't resist the temptation. I felt like when the Lakers got the ball early on, they just needed from the outset to be that team like we see in college basketball all the time. It's like, you know what? You can run all day long. We're going to walk. And instead, it felt like they were trying to run with them. The pace took control of the game early on. When you got guys shooting short because they got no legs and you're running them faster, that doesn't seem like a recipe for oh, success. Well, let, me, let me tell you how the Lakers actually helped the Golden State Warriors too last night by settling for those jump shots and not making them. So when you're shooting these long-range shots, the ball's going to come off longer off the rim. Nice transition time. Now the Warriors are really good. When they get the rebound from, from, from a long shot that's missed, it's push to pace and don't let the Los Angeles Lakers set up their half-court defense because, in all honesty, the Lakers have been phenomenal in their half-court defense of late. So you don't want to let those guys get set up. So off of all misses, you're pushing the pace every time you get a rebound. That's why you see Draymond Speed balling out of the court. That's why you see Steph, Clay, every whoever gets the basketball, that's what they're doing so the Lakers can't set up their defense and get back in, you know, try to stop the Golden State Warriors from scoring. As much as we were laughing about the analogy from Star Wars yesterday where the little ships were running around the feet of Whoa. the huge AT-ATs. <laughs> little ships. L- little <laughs> ships were running around the, the feet of the AT-ATs, the huge, you know, ships, the huge transportation vehicles. That's what it felt like. Because you're right, the minute they got those long boards, it wasn't a it wasn't a jog. It was a sprint. It was two sprints and a push down the cl- like one one pass down and then a cut. It was so frantic in its pacing. You know, we know what we say uh, when the Golden State Warriors get the basketball right and everybody's sprinting down. Hey, don't meet me there. Beat me there, baby, because mm. I'm going to be there. Don't meet me there. Beat me there. Oh, man. It's going to be wild. That game's Saturday, obviously, but don't forget there's a doubleheader tonight. Coverage begins with NBA countdown 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Then you've got Boston at Philly 730. That series tied one each on ESPN. Going to be a great game three with so much on the line. And Denver taking on Phoenix. In Phoenix, the series goes back or goes to Phoenix, I should say, 10 p.m. Eastern. Denver up 2 nothing. Phoenix up against the ropes. We'll see what kind of response we can get from the Suns. Coming up, you've heard of a sneaky big move. Yesterday, we got the freaky big move. We'll tell you about it next. Not even Love Friday Freaky. Fitz and Harry, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Is it a good take? That's good. Great. Or a hot take? How hot? Red hot. Find out now with Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. I forgot to turn on my mic. The ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. All right. You guys know the drill right now. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're going to play some of the takes from some of our best peers, and we will figure out if it's a good take. Oh, that guy's brilliant. Or if it's a hot take. That guy is absolutely smoking the gotch. That's where we're going to be. All right, so we'll see where we fall on this, and we'll start with one of our best. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, friend of the show. He was on NBA Countdown on ESPN Radio, and he talked about who the Bucks should target as their next head coach, given the fact that as of yesterday, Coach Budenholzer was let go. 
Well, I'll tell you what, if Nick Nurse is available, I'm going. I'm doing everything I can to get Nick Nurse. I mean, there's some other good candidates out there, and you're going to hear some different names. And if they wanted to go maybe an unconventional route and kind of go get a name, I don't know if Jay Wright would be interested. I'd make a run at him potentially, too. But he looks like pretty comfortable in the TV role, and, <laughs> yes. and he knows he can. All right, so what do you think? Nick Nurse, Jay Wright? Yeah, those are two solid names. I'll also throw Phil Handy into it as well. Um, when you look at a guy like Nick Nurse, 2019 NBA champion, 2020 coach of the year. But you look at him coaching a Kawhi Leonard, a Siakam, a Kyle Lowry, a DeMar DeRozan, all these guys. He's coached different personalities and different type of players. So I think it would have fit in well. And you look at Jay Wright, man, a two-time NCAA um, champion as the head coach of Villanova. And you look at all the guys that are making impacts in, impact, uh, impact in the National Basketball Association right now. So I think those are two solid guys. I would lean more towards Nick Nurse, though, because he's most recent in winning a NBA championship and doing it with a superstar player. Yeah, that's 100% why I think it's a good take that Nick Nurse is a great call. I think it's a hot take that Jay Wright would be the right call. I want somebody, if I'm bringing Giannis, somebody to Giannis, and I'm trying to keep Giannis happy in today's NBA, I don't care what your contract look like, got to keep your guys happy, right? I want to bring Giannis somebody that I can say, look, championship pedigree, knows how it is to work with a star, and uh, you know, I know that there are so many complications with the salary cap and what moves forward, and it's about to get really wild with the new CBA, but I also love the thought of being able to say, okay, Pascal Siakam, there are guys around the league that know Nick Nurse and would want to play for Nick Nurse. So for me as an organization, I think Nick makes a ton of sense. Speaking of Giannis, obviously there's a lot of questions now. What What's Giannis want to do next? And is he really happy? And new ownership, they fired the head coach. Well, Stephen A. Smith was on first take and said this about where he thinks Giannis would be a good fit. It is New York. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant be gone. If they had decided to wear Knicks uniform instead of Brooklyn, because when you consider the brand that is the Knicks and the money that comes with it, what you're able to benefit from, there's no question that if you're Giannis, you're thinking about that. And if it ain't L.A., it's New York. I don't rule out the possibility of Giannis wanting to come to New York at all. I think it's a hot take. I don't think Giannis is going to leave Milwaukee, especially winning the championship there. You know, his growth as a player, his growth as a man, his growth being a, becoming a father, all that started in Milwaukee. And I think he's, he's the type of player that's going to be loyal and stay with his organization. Now, Giannis would fit in good in any organization, <laughs> right or wrong. Fitz, he's the no, best yeah. player in the NBA right now. Yeah, you're right about that. But also, when you're European and you come from certain places around the world, you have more comfort in certain spots in the U.S., right? Like, I think one yep. thing that Giannis has made clear is he likes Milwaukee. He likes that area. He likes living in that part of the country. He likes the peace he would get there. I mean, uh, we all think of celebrity and stardom as something that everybody wants. Giannis has that, but he also has that in a way where he can live somewhat of a normal life compared to what he'd be able to live in the streets of New York or L.A., frankly. Good point. Either of those. And something that you know, well, I, I'm not taking anything away from the financial advantages of the Knicks and the Lakers, but you know this better than anybody. The jock tax in New York and L.A. is also <laughs> the highest that you will find anywhere. So I know he would get a like all of the marketing opportunities add up, but day-to-day... His cost of living goes way up. His jock tax goes way up. Like, I don't always think it's as simple as, well, look at this. It's New York. It's L.A. You start doing the financials on it, it gets a little trickier than that well, sometimes. Well, what did Chris Tucker say at Smokey and Friday? Give me my money. <laughs> 
It's Friday. You ain't got no job. You ain't got... Mm, never mind. Uh, all right. We'll let, Jay Will uh, had his take. We've talked a lot about AD. Let's see what his good take or hot take is about AD and the fluctuations in the game of one Anthony Davis. AD's ceiling is sometimes to me higher than Joel Embiid or Jokic. But his floor... <laughs> The fluctuation of the extremes to me, one day I'm like, you're a superstar. The next day I'm like, you're JaVale McGee. How the hell is that possible? How do we talk about what is that fluctuation gap between any other superstar in the NBA? I don't think there is one. This is a good take. Now, I need to say this to all my Lakers fans that called in the other day. How are you going to put somebody in the rafters? At the old Staples Center. What is it called now? Crypto Arena? Crypto, yeah. Crypto. And we are having these conversations about consistency. He can be the best player, one of the best players in the league, or he could be JaVale McGee. Think about that now. This is a guy in Jason Williams who's played in the NBA, who understands the game at a very, very high level. So if we're talking about AD in that manner, you're going to tell me he's going in those rafters up there at crypto? Right next to JaVale McGee's number seven. <laughs> here, Crazy. Here, I'm just imagining this. This is what it goes like. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you be, allowing me to give the induction speech for Anthony Davis in the Ring of Honor. Here <laughs> to retire his jersey at crypto. I'd like to remind you some days he was arguably the best player in the NBA, maybe. Some days he looked like JaVel McGee. But let's just pop that number right on up there. Can I, can I ask a question? If if they go on to win this series against the Warriors, do you think anyone's going to remember that AD didn't have, you know, f- seven straight good games? It depends on how AD is playing in them winning the series. Yeah, I mean, also, like, how do they win? If they win where he's wildly inconsistent and LeBron is really what wills them to the victory, I mean, I have had to listen to our very own radio network for the last three days break down which championships had which value based on who played who in the bubble. So you want to tell me that there won't be some anti-narrative that comes in at some point if AD doesn't play well all the way? They will have won a championship in spite of AD in the minds of some. In our pre-show meeting, we all agreed that before the series, if they were going to go one-one in Golden State, we'd all we'd all say that's a win. The reason they won Game One is because of AD in large part. So, like, yes, like again, we, we all agreed that if they went one-one, it's it's a success, and they won one game because of the guy we're also you know talking bad about. Yeah, I mean, can you be a hall of? Can you be the best of all time at anything if you're inconsistent? Great point. I mean, I mean, this playoffs he's been inconsistent, but his, I mean, his career <laughs> not not so much, right? Uh, like, it, Hall of Fame is not just how you played with like the basketball Hall of Fame is a little tricky because yeah, you can make it I'm for your body of work. Rafters, like, that's what I'm talking like, about. I'm, talking I'm just saying, can rafters. you be the greatest of the great if you're inconsistent? If then if, if they use the word inconsistent with you, can you also be the best? Like, can you be the best chef ever if one meal is great and the next meal feels like it's out of the trash can of a McDonald's? Can you be the best musician ever if one concert you are absolutely sending people to tears with how great you are and the next night people are walking out mid-set because you are just absolute hot garbage? The answer to that is no. Like Consistency is part of greatness. Can you be the greatest if you're jumping off the ceiling fan one time but then you act like you don't know what you're doing the next time? Excuse me. I'll take it there. Love Fridays. What? Seven seconds and a bottle of hot cocoa the next time. This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. Now that I've made America uncomfortable, that's really great. We'll find out Dave McMiniman's thoughts. I'm going to give you a stat, by the way. In a 1-1 series, the winner of Game 3 
The winner of Game 3, I'm going to stall here while we get this back up. The winner of Game 3 wins this series 73% of the time. So, coming up, we'll ask an expert. Does that mean that Game 3 is winner-take-all in this matchup? We'll figure it out next. Plus, we'll find out what he thinks about ceiling fans. Dave McMiniman going to join us next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. That's right. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Using Friday afternoons to set the mood for Friday nights. Usually Love Friday has a little bit more of an R&B feel around here, but sink out of mile. Devin playing Latin Lover as he uh, gets you your playlist ready. That's what they call me. <laughs> get out of here, Devin. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. Welcome to the 2 o'clock hour on Fridays on Fitz and Harry. Always a little off the rails. Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Dave McMiniman joining us, ESPN Lakers reporter. Dave, always appreciate your time, especially on Love Fridays, because you know we love you. Uh, Wendy said on Get Up that the best version of AD was in the bubble because nothing was different night to night. Continuity. What did you see in the bubble versus what we've seen since with AD? Anthony Davis was incredible in the bubble. I don't think Brian's explanation of why he was good there has anything to do with the difference in what we're seeing this year in the playoffs. He's three years younger. He'd just come off a four-and-a-half-month layoff because the entire NBA was shut down because of COVID-19, and he was completely healthy, and he was playing with a better roster. Uh, I, I don't see a correlation there at all. I think Anthony Davis is playing through a foot injury that – uh, could require off-season surgery, is doing what he can um, to uh, carry this team on both ends of the floor. He's not the same athlete he was three years ago because his body has been through not just the foot you know, now, but a groin and a shoulder and um, you know, the, the other things that have ailed him over the last several seasons, a knee. Uh, and... Even still, we're talking about him leading uh, the Lakers through uh, being the first team in 13 years to upset a number two seed in, in the first round and goes in and has 30 and 20 in game one against the defending champ. So I, I don't know what we're talking about here. So, Dave, I got, I got to ask you this because Anthony Davis, you know, he'll have a great game. He'll have a subpar game. For the Lakers and their team and their organization, how do they manage the inconsistency of Anthony Davis? Well, I mean, again, we're talking about in a great game and a subpar game. Uh, you go back the entire season, the guy was lights out. It was his best season as a Laker, including the, his first year at the Laker when they, they won the bubble championship. Uh, he was fantastic. And it was not one night on, one night off. It just happened to be the, the way over these eight games in the playoffs. But even with that, he had 26 blocks in the first round of the playoffs. Most by a Laker in a six-round series, uh, joining Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Shaquille O'Neal. 
it's not like his offensive nights where his shot was off, which you know you happened three times in the first round and now once in the second round. It's not like he wasn't being impactful on the other end. So I just I think this is it's a little overwrought. It, it, it it's interesting to see that I've seen the graphics that we've run on ESPN today, um, showing you know like almost like a, a stock market crash and boom back and forth and back and forth based on his offense, but his defensive impact has been there. And that's how the Lakers deal with it. They, they know that they need Anthony Davis on either end. If they want to have any sort of chance of making a deep postseason run here. And guess what? Anthony Davis was five for 11. That wasn't the Lakers problem. The Lakers problem was allowing 21, three pointers made by the Warriors their perimeter defense. The Lakers' problem was their shooters uh, going 10 for 34. Well, that's not Anthony Davis. Uh, So I I think it's like the convenient uh, talking point coming out of game two because, yeah, he is the most talented player on the Lakers, and he got outscored by Jermichael Green. But he's got to get more shots than 11 shots if we expect him to score 30 points like he did in game one. That being said, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying about the, the metric particularly, but at least the, the advanced analytics out of SIG will, will show stats and info groups for anyone that you shouldn't know that. But the advanced analytics will show that he struggled last night defensively also. Like, what did the Warriors do last night particularly to make him a non-factor? Yeah, he still had three blocks and... You know, the third quarter, the game was over. So, you know, you're judging basically his first half performance. Um, what the Warriors did to him on the you know, defensive end, they spread it out. They had five shooters on the floor often. And so there was less opportunities for him to contest shots on the inside because it's not like the Lakers when the Warriors play four out or five out, then they, they want Anthony Davis out in the perimeter, they still want him kind of patrolling the pain, making sure it's 2.9 seconds in out of lane so you're going to get a three-second call. Uh, but you're not really pulling him all the way out there anyway. So if there aren't shots to contest, you know, it, it's harder to have that defensive impact. It's harder to have the steals and deflections and blocks and um, all that. that. On, on offense, a similar pick that teams have used, quite frankly, since Teron Lou played against the Lakers late in the regular season and had the Clippers double Anthony Davis on the catch and crowd his space. And what AD has to do on his part is to, when that happens, you have to make a quicker decision. You're either immediately trying to you know shoot, shoot a fadeaway away from the double or you're trying to split the double or you're, you're passing out to the perimeter open shooter or you're passing out and then reposting. Um, that's on him, and then on the Lakers uh, coaching staff, they need to move him around uh, and get him the ball at different parts of the floor because right now, certainly in game two, the Warriors scouting department said, okay, hey, uh, Warriors defenders, he's going to catch the ball here. Here's the map of where you need to go and the time of where you need to go, and it's going to thwart his path. So Darvin Ham needs to be like, well, you know, they've been thinking that AD is always going to get the ball in the file line extended. How about we give him to it in the dunker spot? And what can we do with our offense out of that? And at least we'll have the element of surprise because right now the Warriors, uh, you know, were a step ahead of the Lakers offense in game two.
So, Dave, that game got away from the Lakers last night. How much did, you know, L.A. benefit from sitting guys in the second half? We'll see. I mean, obviously, this this series being a game every other day, uh, anytime you can stock up rest-wise is a good thing. You know, uh, LeBron was at the podium last night, sat down, and, uh, you know, in the locker room they had a – whiteboard message the first bus leaves at 9 15 second bus leaves at 9 30 third bus leaves at 9 45 him and ad sat down at 9 20 looked at his watch he goes oh wow i can catch the second bus so i mean it was uh, normally you know a playoff game lebron's not leaving the arena oftentimes still close to midnight um but you know he was probably with the short flight from l.a you know, close to being back in his home by midnight uh, yesterday, coming off a road game. So uh, the rest will help. I think the crowd certainly will help. Uh, the Crypto.com Arena has been electric this postseason, and the Lakers have fed off it. They're 4-0 and between the playing round and the first round so far in their building. And um, whatever, you know, extra oomph, that, that extra 12 minutes not playing the fourth quarter – doesn't give them, it'll be made up for by the crowd's energy. As always, my friend, we appreciate your time and your insight. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs. Thanks for hanging out with us, Dave. Thanks, fellas. Enjoy Cinco de Mayo. Oh, always. Dave McMiniman joining us uh, right there, giving us uh, some insights on this series. We still haven't mentioned the star of Game 2, Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll do that next and get you set for a huge weekend in the NBA playoffs. Fitz and Harry, hanging out with you on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Knows Pros. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app. This week on Fitz and Harry, I'm going to get a little in the a little in the weed here, the weeds here though, because I think actually, whoa, oh wait a second, I mean, always a little in the weed. I mean, a little okay. in the weed. Okay, proceed, proceed, proceed. In my opinion, he's already in, and if he wins a second championship, it's not even a debate. Wow, he's already in. Did I stutter? And Harry, that, I'm just Hispanic, bro. We just yell at everybody. So no, 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 no. I'll be back, guys. I got to go poop. <laughs> And Harry has left the building. <laughs> Can What's I just, one, just quickly tell you what it's like when like you like hot food, but you can't handle like it's it's not my butt, it's my mouth can't handle the hot food. Harry went to tinkle during the break and didn't make it back in time for the beginning of the segment. So Harry, every like, is it was the moving walkway not working? Like what was like <laughs> d- 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 was there was there nobody there to help you get like the, was the, was the horse still late? Was she trying something on? And Harry's like, I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll hang out here for a minute. I'll hang out here. Hey, one thing we know, I'm a ceiling fan jumper. Excuse me. I jump what? off that bad boy like no damn mother, what? baby. Excuse me. <laughs> this is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. It's Fitz and Harry 
on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry's in Louisville. In my mind, when Harry goes to check into the hotel, he walks in, he gets the room, and then as he's leaving, he turns around to the front desk clerk and he says, wait, 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 wait. Does this room have a ceiling fan? The clerk says yes. He's like, going to have to pay the security deposit and just slides <laughs> the card right on over. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. Uh, that's just, we're just off the rails. Uh, look, we're going to have an epic game three on Saturday night. You don't want to miss it. You can listen to game three of the Warriors Lakers series on ESPN radio. Obviously you can watch it on ESPN. We even have a double header for you tonight. NBA countdown, 7 PM Eastern on ESPN tonight, Boston, Philly, seven thirty tonight on ESPN, Denver, Phoenix, 10 PM tonight on ESPN. All of these games, uh, incredible Lakers Warriors game three is on ABC, I should say. And of course on ABC, on ESPN Radio. Uh, we've talked a lot about AD. We've talked a lot about LeBron. We've talked a lot about Steph. But what we haven't talked about yet, Clay. Because let me tell you something. Uh, uh, like uh, uh. Clay Thompson last night was just reminding us that when you shoot the way he can shoot, not only is it pretty, not only is it perfect, but it's just indefensible. Like there was nothing they could do against Clay, who obviously had his stroke last night. And I got to be honest with you. Pitch, you know who my brother is, Tony Douglas, and he played with the Warriors. And I remember asking him about practices that he had there in Golden State and asking him about Steph and Clay. And the one thing I remember my brother telling me is that the way they shoot the basketball is a way like I've never seen in my life before. And my brother's a damn good shooter. Hit nine threes for the Knicks when he was with them on St. Patrick's Day. He told me their repetition and the way they practice, all the shots that we see those two guys take in a game, Klay Thompson doesn't even have to bring the basketball down. When he receives the basketball, in his eyes, it's already in his shooting pocket. And he's looking at that rim and watching that ball. The ball, most of the time, don't even touch the rim. Just goes right through the net. But it's repetition, man. Repetition over and over and over again to the point to where they – Clay and Steph can shoot those shots in the dark, and I'm pretty sure it pretty much go in because of muscle memory. 11 for 18 from the floor, 8 for 11 from the three-point line. He was a plus 28. Mm. Doing all that while giving 110% effort on the defensive end. So that lets you know he's conditioned, he's in shape, his mindset, but he's lethal. Every time he catches the ball, not just behind the three-point line, but in the mid-range game as well. And I love this morning listening to Jay Will on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max talking a little bit about that stroke and that sound it makes when a shot is perfect and when you haven't touched any portion of the rim. It was incredible to hear him talk about it. It was also incredible to hear him break down how Steph contributed to what Clay did last night. Steph is the gravity that creates all this because when you guard him on high ball screens and AD is forced to play up and he's blitzing, it creates mismatches. And that, that speaks to it, right, Harry? Like, that's yep. what we're talking about is the ability to do it that way just feels like it's what makes them so hard to stop when either of them has that perfect stroke, that perfect night. Well, let me talk about the mindset of Steph Curry now because one of the things I think I adore and I love about his basketball game, Steph can shoot the ball whenever he wants to and get a shot. But I like that he has the mindset that 
when you see a Clay Thompson going off, when you see a Jordan Poole going off, and when Kevin Durant was playing with those guys, Steph immediately goes into true traditional point guard mode. How can I set these guys up and get them the ball again? It's not, you know, I'm wide open, let me shoot this shot. Well, he might be wide open, but Clay, uh, any of the other guys might have a better look, so he makes the extra pass. He's looking to get these guys the basketball in the right spot. And I think a guy like Jordan Poole needs to really, really learn from Steph Curry and understand that every time you touch the basketball, you don't have to jack it up. It's okay to get a better shot, to get a great shot versus a good shot. And that's what I love about Steph Curry. Which you saw last night. Steph set a record. Most assists in a playoff game as a Warrior under Steve Kerr with 12 uh, in the game. A reminder, the Warriors were 9 for 9, 100% on twos off of those. So it shows you he was setting his guys up in the right way. Game three, all's going to be on the line. Series goes to L.A. What do you think, Kerry? I got the Warriors. I got the Warriors winning game three, but I got the Lakers winning game four. Series to be tied when they go back to the Chase Center in the Bay Area for game five. I like that. I think uh, game three is tough for me. It really is because you are going to have that momentum that comes from the L.A. crowd, and I can't get it out of my mind. As much as everybody today wants to call me a Lakers hater, let's remember I've been pretty hard on the Warriors at times too, specifically through that Kings series. Uh, 12 road wins all year. I mean, that includes a win in Sacramento. Like, 12 road wins all year. There you go. There you go. See, you know what your, my grandma used to tell me? A hard head make a soft ass. Mm. There you go talking about it again. See, I heard this from you in the last series mm-hmm. against the Sacramento Kings. Mm-hmm. I, I heard this from you. I a mean, hard head makes a soft tushy. I mean, my, my tushy is baby soft. I'm just telling you, like, it is. Like, like <laughs> I, I got baby soft tushy going back here. Uh Man, this is hard because I either got to I either got to bank on the Warriors getting a road win. Ugh. I know uh, you don't but, think the Lakers are going to go up three one in this series. No, no, no. There's no way. It's two uh, two. It's two two by the time. But okay, we'll be, okay. but Just here's the thing: sure. we got a game Saturday, and then there'll be a bounce back the other way. I I think I'm going to go after all day just trashing them. I think the Lakers win game three. The Lakers will win Game Three. The okay. Warriors will win Game Four, and will be two two uh, by Tuesday morning. Two two on Tuesdays. Two uh, two two Tuesdays. Maybe we we all wear two twos on the show. Uh, you have a taco too. Uh, taco that I can have? Well, Ooh. but tacos don't really. I mean, two twos and tacos. Uh, that feels like. Don't a, worry, I'm about to get one. It's Cinco de Mayo. Oh man, go go enjoy. Everybody have a safe and wonderful Cinco de Mayo. Harry, enjoy the Derby. Thanks for listening to us on Fitz and Harry. Kenny Carlin coming up next on the ESPN Radio.